Thank you so much. That was sweet. Is that a term? That's probably, you know, that's, that's probably been used and it's gone by the wayside. What we should have had there this morning is a little bit of dry ice and a little bit of smoke. And some lights. Yeah, I think I got things the way I wanted. No. You know me. I'm talking to you this morning and speaking with you on, on pictures of the Holy Spirit. And this morning would be my introduction to my, uh, my messages on the Holy Spirit is fire. And I want to continue with it next Sunday, but this will kind of be the intro. Taking our Bibles and turning to the book of Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. We read these words. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by, it says, a spirit, but if you look further down in my Bible, it really is, says the spirit, by the spirit of judgment and the spirit, or a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy, it'll be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and the rain. Flip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 2 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God, and we are thankful for the Holy Spirit, who is not only someone that we have some kind of mystical thinking of, but Lord, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives. The Holy Spirit is fire. That's a great picture. And God, help us in our understanding this morning to, to get a better, better realization of who you are and what you want to do, not only in our church, but in our lives. God, I pray for transformation. I pray we'd never see fire the same way again. I pray, God, for thirst. I pray for hunger. I pray, God, that we would have a greater desire to have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning within us. Amen. You may be seated. Pictures are very, very captivating. Pictures are very, very defining. Pictures bring greater and greater understanding to us. Tuesday evenings in our church in the lower auditorium, we we have uh, conversational English, E-A-L. And uh, oftentimes if I'm sitting around a table conversing with someone who's trying to understand the English language, and the English language is pretty difficult to understand. And sometimes the words mean two different things. And if I'm trying to share with somebody what a word means, and I see a blank stare on their face, and they're trying to understand English, and I'm trying to teach them what English is. If I see a blank stare, the first thing that comes to my mind is, find an object. 
And there's lots of objects downstairs. Sometimes I've gone to the kitchen. Sometimes I've, I've pointed to clothing, a coat, or, or something, or I've seen something on the wall, or I've seen something somewhere, and I bring that and say, here's what this word means. And then I see a smile come across their face, and a glow, and I know they got it. They understand it. And that's kind of what this series is all about. We're trying to grapple with and understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the temple as a church, as a body of Christ, and also individually as a temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we're trying to bring greater understanding. God is doing mighty things right now. And I, I, I love the season that our church is in. And I just felt so led this last little while to go into this series because of what God is doing. And God has done great things last Sunday morning. And I want you to know, as the Bible says, it's not by might, not by our power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's what He is doing. I just want to be a trailing arm. I just want to be clay. I just want to be following what God wants to do. And I pray for an entire church body that feels the same way. We don't want to be in control. We don't want to grab the reins. We don't want to wrestle with God. We don't want to do it our way, but we want to say, God, we are your workmanship. You put your hand to our lives. And we want to be shapeable and moldable. And God uses. God uses. And so we want to understand more about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, by way of review, I, I talked about oil as a picture of the Holy Spirit produces spiritual activity. I love that. Produces spiritual activity in the church and in your life. Life, energy, excitement. It's kind of like stick your finger in the light socket experience. You know what that's like? I've done it before. It's exhilarating. It'll give you a buzz. It'll give you a lift. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit is filled with activity. There's nothing dormant about the Holy Spirit. Nothing boring about the Holy Spirit. He produces as all, he produces activity in the church and in your individual life. Secondly, last week I looked at oil as a picture of the Spirit provides for healing. Physical healing, situational healing, emotional, spiritual healing, whatever the, the need might be, the Holy Spirit as the picture produces healing. And oil gives us a great picture of that. And I went over that with you last Sunday. We prayed for healing. For those around the front of the altar, I'm thankful and grateful to God for what he's begun to do. Last Sunday, it wasn't planned, but Cheryl Jaffrey came up and said, I want to share with you a testimony. Not planned by man, but planned by the Holy Spirit. He knew exactly what's going to be taking place. She stood here and shared how someone was healed of a tumor. My God still heals today. And Glenn Jaffrey also was given a death sentence many, many years ago. But God healed him physically healed them. And we need to know that today we believe in divine healing and God can do anything. So the greater picture we get of the Holy Spirit is that he does provide healing. Go to him. Call out to him. Pray to him. Call upon his name. He will touch you. There's nothing like a picture to better our understanding. And that's what we're trying to do these next several weeks. Not sure how long they'll be. It'll be until I'm done or until maybe God says move on to something else. When I was a young boy, I don't exactly know how old I was, but I know that's the experience. One evening, my parents had some, we often had fellowship nights, and my parents had some people over from the church who were there visiting in the living room, and I had many, many firecrackers, not firecrackers, I have many of those too, but sparklers. And I wanted to get rid of, I loved fire when I was young. And I loved, I wanted to get rid of these sparklers, and so I had a book of matches, and a box of matches, like, I had to keep, 
light another match, light a sparkler. I said, this is getting boring. Why not just kind of make a little fire on the ground? So I knew my dad had a gas can in the, in the basement. So I went in the basement and I borrowed a gas can and I dumped a little gas on the, on the lawn close to the house and I lit the mat, poof. And said, there was my fire. So then all I had to do was take my sparklers over there, one by one by one, until they were gone. It seemed much easier. Well, as I was doing this, this, this the fire was getting smaller. I needed to put more fuel on the fire. So I went and got the gas can. Being the smart boy that I was, I dumped it up with the spout this way and dumped a little bit more gas on the fire. We know what happened. <laughs> it was time to run. And I tried to drop the can. I dropped the can right on top of the fire, which meant more gas came out. Poof! Up she went, and I was out of there. I went into the house, and I went for a, some water. My mother heard a little ruckus out in the kitchen. Gary, what are you doing over there? Nothing, Mom. Nothing, Mom. Nothing. Meanwhile, I can see the glow coming up. By the, by the, by over the sink, the fire, and it's getting bigger. So I don't, I don't know if, if water's the right thing to use or not, but that's what I use. Well, my mother knew something was up. Mothers always know. Dad, he wasn't too sure I was going, you know, mothers, though, they had, they, they had that extra sense. The things are not well. She came running, and she saw the glow behind me in the window. Then she yelled, she screamed, Dad jumped up, the company jumped up. We're all out there fighting the fire. Yeah, I gave them something to remember. And they also gave me something to remember <laughs> after that evening was over. Fire. Fire brings a great understanding, gives us a great picture. Well, pastoring one time, in, one time when I was in Thompson, we planned for an illustrated sermon. And for this illustrated sermon, I needed smoke. I needed dry ice to, to come across the platform. And, and so I took a window out of the church on this side, and I put a big fan in there, a big furnace fan, I think it was, and... And uh, so when we would send, send the smoke across here and out the door, out the window, because we just wanted to present that effect. Should do it again sometime. Anyways, no window. Yeah, there's a door there. So during the illustrated sermon, somebody's driving by. It's a main Thompson Drive. The, the church is right on the corner of the main drag of town. And they're driving by during the message. And they see smoke coming out of the window. And so they darted in and they came in and they said to one of our ushers, your church is on fire. Your church is on fire. I want you to know that's the greatest compliment I've ever had in pastoral ministry. Your church is on fire. Yes, Lord. Yes, lady. Our church is on fire. You're right. When there's smoke, there's got to be fire. Well, you and I, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Get that. And I want you to know this. That you are made for fire. You are made, just as a fireplace is made for fire, you are a fireplace. You're made for the fire of the Holy Spirit to envelop you and, and it will develop you. And then I want you to see that not only yourself, but as a church body, not just a structure, not just a building, but the collective, the body coming together. We together were made for, there ought to be fireworks every time we gather in church. Amen? There ought to be, because we're made for fire. You're the temple. The world gets excited and takes notice when there's a fire, don't they? Everything stops. Normality ceases. Adrenaline kicks in. The world responds and runs to the fire. May they run to the fire. May they look at the glow of the Christian. May they drive him by. Oftentimes, I'll stand in the outsider small foyer, and pray for people as they're driving by the church. God, may they just not see a building. 
But I pray God they'd know there's fire taking place there. There's transformation. There's change. There's ignition. Ignition. There's liftoff taking place right there. Fire gets the attention of people. There's something else about fire. I love to watch a fire burning, preferably not too close to my house in the backyard, but in a fireplace, in a contained place. I can stand there for a long time and watch a bonfire. Although one time, I remember my first church, we had a big bonfire and some guy kept, that was on the ice and he kept making the fire bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we had a huge bonfire and we're on ice. I said, this is not smart. So I began to move to the ground. Fire. We can stare at fire for a long time. There's something about a fire. It's flickering, crackling, the smell of burning wood. It's attractive. It's captivating. It's therapeutic. It's a center of attention. And the flame never seems to stay the same. It's always changing. That's why we like to watch it. It's always changing its form. It's the same as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never... I don't think it is the same thing twice. The Holy Spirit's always changing. You can't get him in a box. You can't try to put him in a box. It's just how he moves. Fire. What a great picture of the working and moving of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada distinctive. It's one of the things I grew up with hearing a lot about. The moving and working of wondrous miracles that are happening through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I pray we never lose that emphasis and never lose that, that picture and never lose really the fact that the Holy Spirit does want to do great things today. All through the Bible we read that God has always had His fireplaces. God has always had His altars and His fires ablaze. Let's take a look at some of them. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. Moses is on the backside of the desert trying to do his thing, trying to get away a little bit from the mistakes he's made. And, and what happens, he suddenly sees this bush. It, 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 it lights up and I don't know if it caught his attention at first, but when it didn't consume, when it didn't burn up and burn out, then it caught his, really caught his attention. And Moses says, I've got to go over and check this thing out. I've got to, I wonder why this bush is not burning out. And that's when God spoke to him. That's when God called him into the ministry. And God has always had his fires. It was flames of fire, the Bible says. And it was God's fire. He lit the match. He was fueling the flames. He was keeping it going. And then if we go to Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23, we read of Moses and Aaron, they're coming out of the tabernacle and they begin to bless the people and beside them was an altar with, with sacrifices. They were all in place and suddenly what happens was a fire came out from the presence of the Lord. The offering was consumed and what happened to the people? Well, they couldn't help it. They began to shout for joy. They began to praise God and then the Bible says they fell flat on the ground before the Lord in worship, in adoration. What else could they do? The presence of God was there. It was God's fire. God lit the match. God was feeling the flames and the people knew it. First Chronicles chapter 21, we read of David. He constructed an altar to the Lord and he placed his sacrifices there. And then he began to call upon the name of the Lord. And God answered with fire from heaven. Again, it was God's fire. He lit the match and he was feeling the flames. 1 Kings chapter 18, we read of Elijah squaring off with the prophets of Baal. I'm going to show you guys who is the one and only true God. 
And so he constructs and builds his altar and places sacrifices on it. And then he began to call upon God. But before he did that, he said, go and get four, not thimblefuls, but four barrels, four jug, whatever they were. They were big containers of water. Threw them on the sacrifice. They took four, threw it on. Elijah said, still not enough. Get four more. That's ace. Dump them on. That's still not enough. He says, get four more. Now he's got 12. 12 barrels or 12 big containers of water dumped on this altar. There's so much water that is running down in the trenches. You're going to like that, man? God can do anything. And then he begins to call upon God. Then he begins to call out the name and God sent fire from heaven down upon that altar. It was God's fire. He lit the match. He was fueling the flames. Now let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12. And the following verses in there, we read of the dedication of the temple of the Lord. And Solomon is calling upon God as he stands before the altar. His hands are raised to the heavens. Get the picture. What is he doing first? He's praising God. He's blessing God. He's crying out for God's mercy. He's repenting for past sins. He's repenting for those that have sinned before him. And he's crying out to the Lord. He's pleading for God's ears to be open to their cries. He's praying for his people that they learn from their past mistakes and failures. He prays, God, don't give up on us. That's his cries to the Lord. Second Chronicles 6 and verse 12, a similar cry we could have today. But verse 18, he says this, But will God really dwell on earth with men? And I camped there this past week, and I, I, I found myself stalling in preparation. God, will you really dwell on earth with men? And I turned into a desire and a thirst and a prayer. God, I want you to dwell on men with earth. On earth with men. God, I want you to come down. I wonder if, you'll, if He will when we cry out to Him. I wonder. But verse 41 says, Solomon says, Come to your resting place. Come, Lord. We built this, but God without you is just a shallow, empty building. doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. We need the presence of God to feel the atmosphere. Come to your resting place. Speaking about the tabernacle. This is a tabernacle. This is a temple. This is a temple. As a corporate body, Lord, come to your resting place. Come. Fill our hearts. Fill our minds. Fill our bodies. Fill our emotions. Fill us to overflowing. Come to your resting place. I wonder if He'll come if we call upon His name. I know He will. When Solomon finished praying, God answered by fire. He came down from heaven and he consumed the sacrifices and the burnt offerings and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. What happens when the glory of God fills the tabernacle? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes in such a mighty powerful way? I'll tell you what happens. Normal operational structures cease. Priests, the Bible says they couldn't function properly. I, I'm all for a plan. You know that. But I'm also all for planning to let God do what He wants to do too. I'm all for organization. I said that last week to you. 
But man, God, there's times in the services where we just have to let go of the reins and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I hope I heard from you last week. I hope I'm hearing from you right now. We have plans. But it's really in God's hands. What do you want to do by your Holy Spirit? And so when they begin to pray, Solomon began to call upon the Lord. The church, the tabernacle was so filled. It was thick with the presence of Jesus. The glory, the presence was so powerful. The effect was overwhelming. Priests couldn't function in an orderly fashion. All the people could do is melt, the Bible says, to the pavement. All they could do. All they could do was fall to the ground with their faces in worship and their faces in thanks and praise, calling upon His name. Did you know that God loves ground effects? God loves ground effects. He loves it when we're on our faces. He doesn't like pride. He doesn't like us going on or running and doing our own thing in, in rebellion, in rebellious states. But He loves it when we find our face, ourselves on our faces before the Lord in humility. Contrition of heart. Broken. Sobbing. Weeping. He loves ground effects. God longs to fill His temple with His power and His glory. He longs to. He desires to do that this morning. He desires to do that every time we gather. Every time. It's probably in the... I'm going to say probably the mid-90s, early 90s, that as the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada... We begin to emphasize Second Chronicles chapter seven and verse fourteen. In fact, we emphasized it, emphasized it, emphasized it. It was on national correspondence to the churches, to pastors. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It came from our pulpits. We were reciting it and saying it, and we had banners. We had everything. It was powerful. This actually continues into what I've just been talking to you about when the glory filled the temple. Here's what God says. Let me read it to you again. We have been emphasized in the last few years. doesn't mean that we're not hungry anymore. It just means it was a season. And seasons come and go. But this was a season when we just, we really wanted to get the meat out of this and experience it to its fullest intent. If my people, God says, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Oh, you know, do you remember back in the 90s if you've been in this church for a long time? It was always emphasized. We, we, we were, that, that was the scripture for the, for the hour. And God did great and marvelous and wonderful things. What we have in that scripture is a renewal recipe. See, as long as man is on earth, there'll always be a need for seasons of revival and pockets of refreshment and periods of renewal. Why? Because you and I are in combat. We live in this flesh and we battle with this flesh. We're in, it's a combat zone. It's a field where all kinds of battles are being fought. 
We have a love-war relationship with ourselves. There are times we look in the mirror and say, I love you today, I love you today. Other times we look in the mirror, I hate you today. Why did you do that for? There are times that we bless ourselves, and I'm for that. We bless ourselves, you're God's creation, and He made you, you're marvelous, you're wonderful. Other times we, 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 we curse ourselves. Oh. We don't like what we do. Paul said, I know what you're going through. Paul said, I face the same thing. It's a battle. It's a war. We live in this body and we fight with this body. How many of you are completely 100% happy with all of your actions, all that you've said, all of your thoughts this past week? I know you're not happy. You've made some blunders. you said some things. You shouldn't have said, you've acted in a way that you said, that's not the way a Christian should act. That's not the way I want to be. And so you find yourself calling up to God and saying, forgive me. I know, I've been there too. We're far from perfect. Far from perfect. It's a battle. It's not a picnic. And I read in in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that it was God's fire that came down. He hit the match. He was feeling the flames. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Isaiah chapter 4, and verse 4, Isaiah spoke about this, the spirit of burning. In Acts chapter 2, we read of the Holy Spirit coming down upon people as fire. And what does Ephesians 5.18 say? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, go for the fire experience. Fire. What a picture of the working and moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. And then Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, we are living sacrifices. I talked to you earlier about the sacrifices that were consumed. The fire came down. God still wants the fire to come down upon you. But he says, I want you to be living sacrifices. He wants to light his fire in us. He wants to strike the match. He wants to fuel the flames. God wants us to be walking torches for the Holy Spirit. But God wants people to look at you and say, I see the glow. Not that we're perfect but that we work through those battle zones. And I'll talk more about that next week. This is, just good. this is just the introduction to the meat that I want to get into next Sunday about fire being a picture of the Holy Spirit. But we allow that fire to come in for a purpose, to transform us. You kind of, when you read that bush that wouldn't burn up, with Moses' experience, he wants you to be that voice. He doesn't want you to burn up. He'll set you on fire, and then he wants you to blaze for him. He wants to burn off those things that shouldn't be there. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to transform you. He wants to envelop you. He wants to change you. Acts chapter 2, the fire came down. They would never again be the same. The Holy Spirit is all that fire is and does all that fire does. 
May we never see flames the same again. Fire of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me as the worship team comes. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you to envelop us. We invite you to take complete control. Holy Spirit, we just want to be that sacrifice that we read about in the Old Testament. And then we jump into the New Testament today. The sacrifice is to be a living one. And if we want to know what you want us to do, if we ever hope to win the battles with flesh, if we ever hope to be able to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry. If we ever hope to get the victory, we're going to need the fire of the Holy Spirit burning within us. We're going to need to be the fireplace. That's my prayer, Lord, as we journey and learn along this road week after week as we gather. We learn more about the person and work of the Holy Spirit and what He desires to do and then just become open, available, and hungry and thirsty. That every time we gather together, first of all, we come as individual temples. And all these individual temples come into church in one bigger temple. In this body of Christ, and we come with fire, Lord, we bring fire, and there's an incredible bonfire that happens in the sanctuary. Talking about the work of God in our lives that brings transformation. And we're hungry, Lord, for that. Thirsty. 